Greetings and good health. I am Dr. Jerrica Sarko, a pediatric and family wellness chiropractor. This is your Lifeline to Vitality, where we discuss ways to cultivate family wellness. Today on your Lifeline to Vitality, I would like to answer pediatrician Robert Mendelson's questions regarding the validity of taking an x-ray. Depending on who you ask, Dr. Robert Mendelssohn, MD, was either a famous or infamous American pediatrician who criticized modern medicine throughout the 1970s and the 1980s. I recently read one of his books called Male Practice, M-A-L-E, Male Practice, How Doctors Manipulate Women. To summarize, the book describes modern medicine's negative and biased approach towards women's health. I highly recommend One Read It Today for its prophetic nature and reflection of our current healthcare situation. In the book, there is an entire chapter dedicated to the explanation of medicine's unnecessary x-ray overuse and the ill effects they bring. Dr. Mendelssohn calls x-rays the most dangerous weapon in modern medicine's arsenal. At the end of the chapter, he even provides a list of nine questions that every patient should ask their physician on the validity of taking an x-ray. As a chiropractor who takes x-rays quite frequently, I found the chapter challenging, enlightening, and most importantly, I believe a teachable moment. Addressing the questions brought up in the chapter head-on not only will help validate the use of taking x-rays from a chiropractic standpoint, but will help further delineate the difference between why a chiropractor would take an x-ray versus why a medical doctor would take an x-ray. Even though both chiropractic and medicine utilize x-ray imaging in their practice, the reasoning for taking the x-ray and the application of the x-rays are completely different. The difference in application boils down to two similar but different words. Those are diagnosis and analysis. The main reason, but not the only reason, a chiropractor would take an x-ray is to assist in the analysis of a vertebral subluxation. The main reason and, for the most part, the only reason a medical doctor would take an x-ray is to assist in the process of differential diagnosis. I would like to now go through those nine questions and answer them as best I can that were proposed by Dr. Mendelssohn. I've altered some of the lexicon of the questions, though, to better fit the chiropractic vocabulary, but the sentiment is still the same. Uh, as a patient, though, you should still be asking these questions regardless if you are in the presence of a chiropractor or a medical doctor and they are wanting to take x-rays. Question number one, what are you looking for? As a chiropractor, the main reason I am taking x-rays and what I am looking for from the x-rays is a vertebral subluxation. A vertebral subluxation is a spinal bone that has lost its normal position to an extent less than a dislocation and has occluded a foramen or an opening of the spine. Uh, it also has to be putting pressure upon nerves and interfering with the transmission of a mental impulse. X-rays help me answer the first two parts of the definition. Has the vertebral bone lost normal position to an extent less than a dislocation? And has the vertebral bone occluded a foramen? Before answering the first two parts of the subluxation definition, I will actually answer the last two parts first. Is there pressure upon nerves? And is there interference with the transmission of a mental impulse? By first testing if the neurological components are present, I have a higher degree of certainty that taking x-ray images will confirm the osseous or bony component. If the neurological tests do not indicate nerve pressure and mental impulse interference, then x-rays are not taken. 
This approach cuts down on unnecessary x-rays. Question 2. What are the chances that you'll find it if you take these x-rays? While it's not 100% certain, the x-rays do provide me, the chiropractor, a great opportunity to locate the osseous component of the subluxation. Clinically, though, if a subluxation is what we say it is, then 100% of the time, the occlusion and malposition will be present in the osseous structures and will be found on the x-rays. A large portion of the ability to find the subluxation, though, will be up to the competency of the chiropractor to properly analyze the x-rays to determine the exact nature of the bony component of the subluxation. I want to reiterate, though, that I will perform the non-invasive neurological analysis before even considering taking x-rays to increase the probability that a subluxation is present and the osseous component is found on the x-ray. Question number three. Can you find what you are looking for by some less hazardous means? Not at all with the same precision. Non-imaging analysis, such as palpation, leg checks, and symptoms, cause too many variables and not enough constants, both from the patient and the doctor. Subjective interpretation plagues all analysis, but even more so in things such as palpation and symptoms. Uh, experiments performed early in the, the development of chiropractic prove that using palpation and symptoms alone had serious error outcomes in determining the subluxated vertebra. The initial tests showed that up to 83% of the population has malformations in their osseous structures. This results in asymmetry of the spinous and transverse processes, which are the bony projections traditionally used in palpation. With this newfound information, experiments were then performed that used palpation and symptoms to analyze subluxations. In non-hyperbolic fashion, the results found that 0% reliability was observed with regards to objective subluxation analysis. Many chiropractors today still just rely on palpation and symptoms for their subluxation analysis, which in my opinion should send up a red flag to a concerned patient. Objective imaging provides a snapshot of something that cannot be visualized. This cuts down on potential hazardous outcomes. Question number four. If you find it, is it something you can correct? The short answer is yes. The correction of the subluxation, though, is in both the hands of the competent chiropractor and the committed patient. The chiropractor applies the adjustic force while the patient adapts that force into a correction. Chiropractic is a joint effort between the doctor and the patient. Chiropractors spend a minimum of three and a half years in school learning proper analysis and technique in the adjustment of a subluxation. As a chiropractic student, I was required to adjust 50 fellow students and 200 patients in our outpatient clinic. Along with reaching my required adjustment numbers through the curriculum, I also took elective classes where I further honed my adjustive skills. Even further beyond that, I took part in chiropractic mission trips to Nicaragua where I had the opportunity to adjust over 2,000 children and adults. My educational and clinical experience gives me confidence in obtaining the goal of the adjustment. Question number five. Does the care plan entail any risks? If not, why can't you just assume I have the condition, skip the x-ray, give me that care, and see if it works? I don't want to gloss over the fact that, yes, x-rays do entail risk. Contextually, though, all healthcare procedures carry risk, no matter what they are. Furthermore, there are also risks involved with not taking x-rays. 
From a chiropractic standpoint, the risk of negative outcomes increases if we do not know exactly how the bones are misaligned in the first place. To guess at which vectors and angles are specific adjustic force needs to be applied can lead to undesirable consequences. For example, let's say you have a simple fracture of your femur. A simple fracture is a type of fracture that does not break the skin. And since it does not break the skin, it can be hard to determine the exact direction and degree of the fracture. Would you allow the orthopedic surgeon to set the bone without knowing the specific direction and degree at which the bone fractured? The orthopedic doctor could just assume that the bone fractured 20 millimeters to the right and at 10 degrees superior, but should you take their assumption without knowing precisely before they set the bone? Assumptions should not be used as the bedrock of any healthcare application. There's an old maxim in chiropractic that states, Why chiropractic x-rays? To see is to know, not to see is to guess, and we won't guess about your health. Question number six. When was the last time your x-ray equipment was checked for safety? In the state of Ohio, the Department of Health checks our x-ray equipment every three years through a series of safety protocol inspections. Quality assurance items are reviewed and x-ray equipment is tested. To get a complete list and breakdown of the quality assurance items reviewed, please check out the State of Ohio's Department of Health website. Question number seven. Will it be operated by a trained technician who knows what he or she is doing and will keep the radiation dosage to a minimum? Chiropractors in general have over 300 hours of radiology education. This includes diagnosis, equipment use, and patient placement. The study of radiology accounts for 12% of our clinical training in college. I pride myself on taking my own x-rays. I think it's important for me to be with a new patient every step of the way on the initial exam. In general, medically trained x-ray technicians do not learn the small, intricate details needed to take a proper chiropractic upper cervical specific x-ray series. Exact placement is integral for upper cervical specific films. And since I will be the one analyzing the films and making my adjustment based on my analysis, I think it's my job and your right as a patient to demand the highest quality of care. Based on your age, gender, and weight, I modify the radiation dosage to prevent needless radiation dosage. Question number eight. What form of shielding or other protection will you furnish me? Lead aprons are provided and cover areas that are not necessary for the x-ray viewing series. Lead is often used in protection shields because it helps prevent the scattering of radiation. Lead is a heavy metal and is very dense in nature. The high density means the atoms that comprise lead are packed tightly together. Compared to other metals such as copper and iron, lead has a higher density and atomic number. The density level prevents gamma rays and x-rays from passing through. Lead aprons usually cover the reproductive organs of both males and females, especially if the x-ray is taken in the lumbar and or thoracic region. The majority of my x-rays, though, are taken of the upper cervical spine, so radiation scattered to these regions of the body are very rare. The major concern for taking cervical x-rays is the proximity of the thyroid gland to this area. The thyroid gland is involved in many metabolic and hormonal processes, so a malfunctioning thyroid can lead to a variety of ill conditions. The major difference between a upper cervical specific x-ray series and a regular cervical series is the location of the central ray. The central ray is the point of the tube where the radiation is created. 
From this point, the X-ray will then diverge out from the tube in a cone-shaped projection. The central ray also has the greatest concentration of radiation, and it lessens as it diverges out. With a regular cervical series, the central ray is located at the C5 vertebra, which is just posterior to the thyroid gland. With an upper cervical series, the central ray is located at the C1 vertebra. This means there is a higher concentration of radiation to the thyroid gland with a regular cervical series than with a upper cervical series. Although the radiation risk is still very low in either series, exposure is less in the upper cervical series. Question number nine. What dose of radiation will I receive? Radiation exposure is a warranted health concern of the public and should not be glossed over by healthcare professionals as something inert. I do think it is important, though, to put perspective into the conversation when it comes to dosage. When talking with my patients, they are always surprised to find out that the general population receives natural radiation all the time, and usually from sources not advertised as producing radiation. The average person in the United States receives an effective dose of about 3.1 millisieverts per year coming from natural radiation and cosmic radiation. The predominant source of natural radiation is found in the air we breathe, and it's inhaled as radon. The other main sources are found in our food and water, and are ingested as uranium, thorium, and radium. Radiation exposure has steadily increased over the last 20 years, though, with the majority of the increase coming from healthcare sources. The major healthcare source of exposure comes from x-rays. With all the negative press that standard x-ray imaging receives, other imaging procedures seem to skid by unnoticed with regards to radiation dosage. In my opinion, one imaging procedure that seems to get a hall pass in the radiation debate is CT scans. CT scans are a series of x-ray images that are taken from different angles to create cross-sectional sections of the body. One CT scan can total an average of 6 millisieverts, which is double the normal amount of radiation a person is exposed to in an entire year. As an upper cervical chiropractor, I normally take a three-view cervical series. With this series of x-rays, the total dose of radiation averages out to be about 0.6 millisieverts. This is using a 18-year-old person as the general point of reference. Now, these nine questions and answers are not exhaustive when it comes to x-ray validity and patient concerns. I hope, though, that they at least answer some questions when it comes to x-rays. This is definitely a place to start, though, in the conversation and hopefully will ease patients' reservations about starting chiropractic care. Thank you for listening. For even more information on how chiropractic can benefit you and your family, please check out my website, ohiospecific.com. That's O-H-I-O-S-P-E-C-I-F-I-C.com. Until next time, remember to keep your head cool, feet warm, and your mind busy.